Welcome to Trekking Awesome. I am Jason. And I am Libby. And we are here today. We are starting, I think this is our fourth loop through the franchise. That sounds so, right. So we are, actually, no, we're not starting it. We started it last time with, with um, the Nurse Chapel episode, and we're, yeah. on to, we're on to some next gen right now. Yes, we are. My favorite series. Which, oddly enough, we are doing another Marjorie Barrett episode. Did we do a Major Barrett episode last time? We, we did one about Nurse Chapel. Oh, <gasps> uh, yeah. And this time we're doing the... I got you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We, yeah, this time we're doing Haven. Like Major Barrett. I know. Month. I yeah. know. It's, you know what? We should just... It is There's Major Barrett's in some Deep Space Nine, so we could totally continue this on with Major Barrett in Deep Space Nine. I don't Space think Nine. she's in season one of Deep Space Nine. I don't think she comes into, like, season five or oh, something. Oh, that's un. No, no. It it's pretty late. late. It's pretty late. Yeah. Oh, she's, man. She, she does come in, but it's pretty late. Yeah, and she's... Weirdly late. Well... Maybe season three. Yeah, I, I was gonna say we could do we could do just one where she's the voice of the computer. So maybe. Oh yeah, literally. So Major <laughs> so Barrett is actually all in all of. So basically, every week is Major Barrett week. Is what we're uh, yeah, exactly. What we're really but trying to say. So we're doing no. the episode. It's actually um, Loxana Troy's introductory episode. Yeah. This is the very first time we meet Loxana Troy and home her esteemed. Oh, and actually, we got a home. We, home was in home was not in, home not home but oh. it was kind of a cool tie-in it was the other guy who played lurch right okay that's right so we had that's right so, so we, had we had majel barrett and we had a so majel barrett has been on screen with both lurches that yes that's a, pretty awesome. an interesting designation to be sure that's that's pretty that is a that is a rare honor indeed yeah so um yeah, so this episode is called Haven. It's our very mm-hmm. first introductory episode of uh, um, Loxana Troy, as, or Majel Barrett as Loxana Troy. Yeah, and unfortunately this is an episode, spoiler alert, where we don't get to get rid of Deanna Troy yet. Well, yeah, that's we a weird... We never get to get rid of Deanna okay, Troy. Okay, you, your Deanna Troy hate is frustrating. I get disliking her for most of seasons one through six, but she's awesome in season seven. I and think, I think. There's a lot, okay, there's another, mm. I just watched another episode with Deanna Troy in it, and it was, um, oh gosh, what was the name of the episode? It was, was the, the was it Samaritan about? Snare, and it was um, the episode with the Packleds. Oh, and yeah. Anyway, so like, Deanna is the only, like, they're all like, yeah, yeah, just send Jordy over to this, like, random alien ship. It should be fine. You know, they'd be like, if we were like, oh, let's just drop Miles off with this hobo. Um, yeah. It and should then, be fine. But then like, Deanna comes on sc- on screen and she's like, get him out of there. He's in great danger. With her horrible accent. I don't know if that was supposed to be Jamaican. I don't know <laughs> like, what her accent is supposed to be. She said it's a blend of British and Israeli, which actually, knowing both British and Israeli people, that makes sense to me. Um... Yeah, but it's still a horrible accent. No, I know. In fact, they actually address the accent in this episode Bri- very briefly. Yeah, there's a kind of a throwaway line, but it's it's a canon line. Um, anyway, so yeah, the point is is that Deanna has a role, and she actually plays a really great role in like pointing out that hey, maybe it's really stupid to send her chief engineer. To help yeah. out a bunch of aliens let's that we don't spend, actually send know. Send expendable and go back to your yeah, restaurant. Yeah, send some like. random red shirt. But no, yeah. I mean, the point is is that it's like she actually plays a pretty good role in like mm-hmm. saying, hey, these guys are not, their intentions are not noble. And she does that a lot. And I think it's kind of, yeah, you know. No, I agree. Where everyone else is like, oh, it's probably fine. Yeah, and it's like, no, that person's lying or there's something wrong here. Yeah, so. but usually, usually Deanna's lines of so-and-so's lying, it's like, of course he is. The guy has, like, an evil mustache, and he's twirling I know, it. I know. Of course he's bad a news. A lot of times there's a very, like, okay, Deanna. Like, yeah, it's either Deanna is, like, Captain Obvious, yeah, or, or like, everyone else is so dense on the, on the bridge well, of the Enterprise. Well, there is a kind of, I think there is a kind of, What's the word I'm looking? They're looking for the best in everyone, and like Deanna yeah. is the one that's there going, maybe we shouldn't. Like, so there's like I. I don't know if she's going. No, we shouldn't. It's just she's burdened with the with empathic abilities, right? Yeah. So she knows when they're not, right? And which 
by the by, that same episode with the pack lids, like, how does she not catch little, um, what's her names, like, evil plan? Like, does she not, like, catch that she, oh, sorry, we'll, we'll talk about that episode when yeah. we come to it. But I'm not sure about she's, she oftentimes, like, there's, like, a blaring plot hole where there's, like, one character who's, like, up to nefarious means that, that she just, like, looks over. Like What are you overlooks. talking about, a uh, character with nefarious? Well, the little the little blonde girl that was out to kill everybody. No, you're, you're thinking of a different episode. Am I thinking of a different episode? Yeah, the Packlets episode is the one where they're, like, the troglites and they're, like... They're like a throwback species. Oh, that's season two. I'm yeah. thinking of I'm thinking of the other episode where it's like you have the sovereign trying to go and round up the those guys that are like off stealing folks and she's trying to bring them back to yeah, the Yeah, no, world. that's a totally different episode. Yeah. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah, th- My this bad, I'm confused. This episode yeah, this episode that's the um gosh, I always think of it as the it's like the borrowers, but it's not the borrowers. Yeah. That's a different novel. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, I get what you're saying. <laughs> anyway, so. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, but yeah. So, I mean, there, but there's a lot of points there where she's yeah. sort of. Anyway, I think we're getting ahead yeah, of we're ourselves. Because totally okay. we're not even talking about no, the episode we're, we're going to talk yeah, about. Right. We need to talk about Haven today. Anyway, before we get too far into it, don't forget, check us out on Facebook. Yes. Check us out on Twitter. Yes. You know, at Awesome. Uh, email us. TrekkingAwesome1701 at gmail.com because we're too poor to afford our own domain name. Yeah, right. <laughs> also, Gmail has like endless amounts of... I know, so Gmail's pretty awesome, so... We could just use theirs. I mean, we could we could totally set up a Gmail business account with our own yeah, whatever. URL. That's like way more involved than I want to get. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, right. well, yeah. Before so, we go any further, do you want to read that synopsis that you have I, right, I, written right there? I do. I'm going to give it my best because I wrote it quickly and I don't know if I can read all of my writing, but yeah, well, bear with me, with dear listener, I will do my best. Yeah. Picard and crew are on their way to Haven for a much-needed rest when a subspace transmission arrives for Deanna. The time has come for her to enter a pre-arranged marriage, a custom from Beta Z. Deanna seems intent on following, even against her and Riker's better judgment. Wyatt, Deanna's betrothed, comes aboard and Deanna senses that Wyatt expected mm, something else. Wyatt's parents and Lawaxana Troy clash over wedding customs. Meanwhile, a Torellian vessel approaches Haven, potentially carrying a deadly plague. The Torellians were a race thought to be extinct by a deadly plague of their own devising, and yet a ship approaches. Haven's leader implores Picard to intervene, and he obliges. Deanna discovers the meaning of Wyatt's hesitation. He dreamed of blondes, not black-haired beauties like Troy. Better invest in bleach, Deanna. The Enterprise finally makes contact with the Torellians, and Deanna recognizes the homewrecker, <coughs> I mean Torellian, from Wyatt's drawings. Wyatt, Wyatt forsakes his family and obligations to help develop a cure for the plague-stricken Torellians. What a selfish jerk. Riker does a happy dance just off camera, and Deanna lets out an audible sigh of relief. All right. All right, here we go. Here it is. So, so <laughs> you go first. Sorry, I no. just... The thing that bothered me the most about this episode... Wait, wh- are you... Okay, so you're not defending this episode. I, I, mm, you have not I defended an episode in a while. That's not true. I'm starting to think that you're not as much of a tricky. That's not should. true. I defended okay. an episode very recently. It's... I think I want to say I defended our last Enterprise episode. Wow. Well, that was only two episodes ago. I, no, so, I mean, wow is in you defended an Enterprise I, I episode. I want to say I defended it. I believe you. I just... I'm surprised that, like... Look, Enterprise is hard to defend, but maybe I didn't. I don't know. I can't yeah. remember. Because these these arguments where one of us defends and the other one goes against usually devolve into us to agreeing about it I know. anyway. I know. I just thought I should mention that nine times out of ten, you start with, I can't defend this. I really can't defend I this know. episode. This episode is indefensible. All of... I it's not say, indefensible. I mean, I, l- <sighs> let's start with the fact that... Let's start with the fact that it... Even for all its faults, is still a very Trekkian episode. Yeah, it is very Trekkian. It's just really bad. Yes, <laughs> it is also very okay. So, all right, let's start with a positive, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, st- I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw out a positive and see if it it sticks. Lawaxana Troy makes her debut in this episode. 
Fair enough. How do you, I mean? Do you I, are you are you a, a Lwaxana fan? I love the reprise we get with Lwaxana episodes because, like, yeah. she is such a great comic relief in yes. most of her appearances, except for two notable ones that I can think of. Well, and 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 one of those being, I can't think of the name, Dark Page or something like that. Um, is the name of the episode where she reveals that Deanna oh, had a sister. Yes. That episode, it takes her character from being a kind of, like you said, caricature. Com- caricature, right? Into like a fully realized and very interesting person. I think the thing that, that we get kind of like a good reveal of her in this episode is mm-hmm. that she is this very intelligent, almost like she's genius level intuitive, you know, with right. in terms of emotional intuitiveness. Right. Like, Whenever Wyatt comes into her and starts asking about, you know, his feelings, or he asks, he has that that synth, like he's he's debating whether or not he should go over to the Trillians mm-hmm. or not, and he comes in to talk to her. She she totally misses what he's actually thinking about, but he she's so keyed into his emotions that she's like, look, you're. You're just here. It is. You're so tied into the universe. Mm-hmm. Like she's so she's so intelligent about that kind of thing, but so dumb about everything else. Well, what I think is funny about Loaxana is that she, instead of using her, let's call them mental powers, to be this like sort of godlike figure, she has fun with it. She's she. Oh, yeah. I I realized today because there's another episode, Menaja. Troy. No, 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 that's not the one. I can't think of the name of the episode. It doesn't matter. It's an episode where she comes in and she's just like, oh, Jean-Luc, stop thinking about me that way, blah, oh, blah, it's blah. Her, it's season two. It's the second one where she comes in. Yeah, and I, I, I was really frustrated by that episode because I kept thinking, like, what a rude thing to do. But she is not cueing in on Picard's emotions. She's making him uncomfortable as it's a fun joke. For her. Yeah, as a joke. And she knows she can get a rise out of him. And so, like, for her, it's her own way of... And I I think it's kind of genius, and I think it kind of speaks speaks to Deanna's character a bit. Um, She's not trying to read his emotions. I mean, I'm sure she does sort of implicitly. But she's trying to give Picard what he needs, which is a little bit of a release. Yeah. A little bit of a, just relax, man. Um, yeah, Luaxan is. I think her whole deal is is that when she when she reads Picard, she reads this very serious character. Oh yeah, he's very he is the captain of a starship of right. the flagship right of the fleet, and so he has got to be on his A game one hundred percent of the time. Right, and you see other episodes where he's very concerned about his image, like with in season two with Pulaski, mm-hmm. um, the episode the, the the episode with the Packlands that you were talking about, right. where he's yeah. he doesn't want to go have the surgery on the ship. He want he has to go somewhere else to have it because he's so concerned with this image of being so like such the awesome captain. Yep, and. Luoxana comes on and she totally understands that about him and she's like you're taking your life way too seriously yeah. man yeah. you're not having any kind of fun lighten up I almost get this sense that her desire to marry him in later episodes comes not from that was in season two yeah yeah not from really her own desire I mean it is her desire she she thinks he's a strong attractive man and who doesn't yeah he's, a, he's the he's the yeah to not sound like one of those you know, horrible people, but he's kind of the alpha male. You well, know? I mean, he's, he's, I mean, he's Patrick Stewart. Look at him. Yeah. Um, he's a handsome man. He's a handsome guy. Um, Sir Patrick Stewart, my apologies. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's one of those things where I think what she recognizes is that a, a union between the two of them would be mutually beneficial. She yeah. recognizes that she needs his stability and he needs her sort I, of I think it's spontaneity. Different. I, I mean, I would have to I'm disagree not, with you. I'm not saying that the, that's the reason she's into him. I'm, yeah. I think that there are obviously other reasons that she's into him. I'm saying that I think it's part of the reason. Fair I enough. think it's part of yeah, and that's the it doesn't pertain to this conversation, right? But I mean, but. but the point with I guess the point I'm making about Lawaxana is that she is this phenomenal character that gives us a sort of like you said a reprieve from the militant Starfleet. Yeah. You know, she's flamboyant, she's interesting, she's funny, maybe a bit obnoxious, 
a bit of a shrew. Oh, she's really obnoxious. Like, yeah. She, but that's that's kind of part of her charm. But that's part of what's great about her. And yeah. I think they, they really did pepper her, her in to the series so nicely. Because they didn't go over, like, heavy-handed with her. They, they made her, like, kind of a nice, even-keel right. character throughout. And, like, one, like here she is once in season one, once in season two. Right, right. Kind of, like, peppered her through. So that way you get just the right amount of her. If she were, and you know what I think it is? Because Neelix is kind of a character like that on Voyager. Oh, God, he's obnoxious. But he's this sort of flamboyant, like, funny, you know, attempt. But there's so much Neelix in Voyager that it's difficult to take. Yes. If Lwaxana Troy were in every episode, or God forbid, every other episode, or something weird like this. Yeah, if she, I, would say, I would say if she was on in a season more than five times. It would be difficult to take. Yes. But because, like you said, they just sort of, you know, every great once in a while bring her in, you know, maybe yeah. to stir things up a bit to sort of, you know, give everybody a little smirk and then she goes on. Yeah. That's what makes Loxana a phenomenal character. And then you find out later, you know, sort of the, the depth of her character. Oh, yeah. Her, you know, she reminds me of the kind of person that she suffered such tragedy in her life that she just wants to bring everybody else joy. Mm. And there's something really beautiful about that, and I think that Majel Barrett plays her wonderfully. Oh, yeah. Um, I love the interaction between her and Deanna. Um, you know, I, I just, as a, I'm not going to say totally serious career-minded person, but a re- relatively career-minded person with a relatively flamboyant mom, I can definitely relate sometimes <laughs> to the okay, yeah. it's mom <laughs> feeling that Deanna. Yeah. I think I think probably every human being can relate to that feeling, but um, I definitely I definitely feel I uh, uh, a kindred uh, spirit with Deanna on no, that regard. I feel you on that. Like it's it is difficult to deal with your. Mom. I mean, deal with Luoxana Troy from time to time. So on the on the on the talking or continuing to talk about Luoxana, I as much as I like her as a character, I mm-hmm. kind of want to talk about some of the negatives about her, particularly in this episode. Um, okay. She's a not nice person in this episode. Oh, she is horrible to Wyatt's parents. Uh, what? That, to me, was... Maybe it was just, like, parents having wedding day jitters i, have I don't know no what the dynamic idea. was with that like that was interesting because like i guess there's like i guess it goes with that old trope that they had back in the 80s of like oh in-laws clashing kind of thing but like their storyline it didn't read well to it me. didn't read well because one they were it's an arranged marriage these people knew theoretically knew each other very well yeah Right. Like, and they make a point to say, oh, you've changed in the years since we knew each other, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, well, the other thing that I didn't really buy into with that, like, not kind of to shift gears was the arranged marriage itself didn't make mm, sense to me. I agree with you. Because these are two people, like, Wyatt's parents are human. Mm-hmm. Um, the Waxana is the only Betazoid in the mix. So well, no. Oh, oh, full betazoid. Full yeah, betazoid in the Deanna, mix. Of course, Deanna half, is half betazoid. Yeah. But, but I'm talking about, like, of this, the people who got together and decided to have this arranged marriage. Like, so humans theoretically have done away with arranged marriages by this point. Right. This is a, this is a society based on Western culture. We don't have that in our right. system anymore. And they really don't have it in connection. This is the only instance of an arranged marriage. But are we to... to to understand that Loaxana is such a powerful influence on people that she got, you know, three other people to agree to it's wed a, their children together? It's a really valid question. The other thing that sort of, you know, comes up in my mind with regard to this question is Deanna probably didn't follow this custom either because she married a human. Yeah, so, she ends so up this, marrying a human. So this is not. So I guess my point being but because is that, this this arranged marriage fell through. I'm assuming is well, the reason but, she decides to marry Riker. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I I'm, I misspoke. Luoxana does not follow through with this custom. Oh yeah, because she marries a human. Exactly. Um, and 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 uh, and I. So this this so, whole like, so, premise just doesn't yeah, make any so, sense. Yeah. So it's not like it's a tradition, you know, um, from the Troys where they're like. 
follow every one of them is like following this sort of you know hun- multi you know generational tradition of marrying. They there's a, they name it they term it. It's not just an arranged marriage. It's like a genetic match. So like they sort of as as though like uh, these yeah. genes will create a better offspring, which feels a little bit like e- eugenics to oh, me. Oh, totes eugenics. Um, and maybe that did happen with, D- or rather, Luoxana and uh, the dad, whose name I forget, um, Jack. That sounds right. No, um, I don't think so. Look it up. Um, anyway, so so yeah, so I mean, it's weird to me that like there is any push at all from anyone to follow through with this. I mean, this almost feels like a sort of drunken, like the parents were like having a poker night. And they sort of Ian, Ian, Ian. That's right, because the little boy, because the little boy is named Ian. Mm. She names names him after her father. Anyway, um, yeah. So I mean, this almost seems like a weird sort of like poker night. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if our kids got married? They're like the same age. <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's make it happen. And then like yeah, thirty years down the line, like they're like, oh crap, I forgot we did that. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, there's this sort of weird like. It made absolutely no sense to me. Like, that, that whole premise, like, w- under any amount of scrutiny, it's like, okay, well, that fell apart. But... <sighs> so, yeah, so that that was, like, a weird, like, w- why would Deanna do that? The, the, why why would... Lo- and, yeah. and like you said, why would his parents? Yeah, what, like, what is... Because the, they're, they're both human. Why would they do that? Like why would the you only thing was is that what I gathered was that Ian and the guy's Wyatt's father I don't even think he's got a name Ian and Wyatt's father um, <laughs> were like besties in yeah. Starfleet and that's how any of this ended up was that they were like super great friends yeah. and they decided that their kiddo should get married but again it just doesn't really yeah, hold like water it, it, like yeah under any scrutiny it kind of falls apart the, the other part of this, like, whole arranged marriage thing that... I say arranged marriage thing, but, like, this this episode... Like, I, I kind of want to go back to the very beginning of it sure. to talk about one thing, and it's, again, going to be how bad of a security officer Tasha Yar is. Oh, no. Okay. She's horrible. Okay. Because, because there's the, they have this conversation where it's like, hey, uh, down on the planet, somebody wants to beam something up. Riker's like, what is it? And Tasha's like... Oh no! And I don't know. Let's see. And then they're like, "Okay, go ahead, beam it on up." And I they beam up a facing. random box with a face on it. And they're like, "What is this thing?" It did make me laugh and give me very like Doctor Who vibes. Oh, it was totally. It was really. It was really like cheeky sci-fi. I liked it. But like the. But whole I get what you're saying. Of leading up to it, it's like, wait a second. Could you send me some specs on what you're about to send up to me? Right. Can I, get some, can I scan it first? Like, yes. what, what? What's going on here? No, no, no. It's just, eh, go ahead. Well, and, on like, over. and specifically, like, bring Deanna in here. What if it was, like, a, what if it was Deanna Stalker? Like, what if, you know what I mean? Right? Like, there's no telling what that box was. No, I mean, the whole thing was just really weird, and I just, I, it, it was a yeah, hard... The, the only way that could have been worse is if she was like, nah, just beam it right to Deanna's quarters. I know, right? What? Yeah, everything about it was really... Well, and then there was, like, the dowry thing, where it's With just, like, a jewels. jewels. Yeah, I love that Tasha Yar is just, like, jewels! And it's like, it's Tasha... It's shinies! What are the... I mean, those could be, like, little bomb flex i don't know like but still it was this, it was just it was like the whole ugh. thing was really weird um okay we need to find something besides loaxana that's good about this episode because we're okay, sitting here okay. both like just okay it's turned into a bash fest no i've got i've got some good stuff um, okay and it can't be that awesome mom do from the 80s that gates mcmahon is rocking <gasps> oh my god i totally and and the uh tasha yars like super amazing like whatever that was that was that what what did Ta- i missed her it. hair during which okay so like let's let's talk about some good things the data circling. Oh man! That brunch. Whenever that that dinner where they yeah whatever yeah. it was where they're like the okay so where in, where Waxana and Wyatt's mom are just being like super catty to yeah. each other. So in the episode, this is like a pre-wedding brunch and like the whole of it's everybody's like the rehearsal dinner. yeah everybody's invited and Waxana it is it is an awkward family gathering like to the yeah, nth like, degree. It's like, Thanksgiving on crack. Right. I mean, it was just... 
nobody Which, depending is, on your family. Right, yeah. <laughs> just nobody's comfortable. And Data is having the best time circling yeah. the table. At one point, like... Riker's being super petulant in the yeah. corner. Yeah, oh, Riker's pouting, giant oh pooch lip God. the whole time. And then, and then um, Deanna finally, like, mother... Quit your bickering and like oh storms God. out. The, and Data's response yes. is, "Could you please continue with your bickering?" <laughs> uh, yeah. That was one of the better. That was a great scene. I, I thought it was. I mean, it was just really. It was very like Rachel getting married. Um, the movie yeah. from the early knots. Um, it was. I. I was. I, I thought it was a fun scene. It was a fun sequence. You know. Not exactly what you want out of science fiction, like not what you think. But I, it was a pretty interesting But it was an interesting moment. Yeah. Yeah, like the thing that got me about that, and I wrote this note down, and I didn't know which column to put it in, you know, either my pro column, my con column, or my snarky comments column. And it was Deanna's outburst there, like the way she delivered the line, the line itself was just another example of why I don't like her character. I just, I don't know. I guess I just don't have the hatred for her that you do. I think she's amazing. Uh, okay, so I have some Yeah, I was going to say, but like the, the, like the thing with, that you're talking about with Data and his like snarky comments, like as he was circling, he looked, he had this like the greatest like, like look on his face of like a dog getting his back scratched. He was just like so happy. I know. That was, I mean, that to me was one of the, and then all of the outfits in that like oh Waxana's outfit and Mrs. Miller. The costuming in this episode was like spot say, on. I will say the costuming in like the first two seasons of Next Gen, they, it is what it is definitely what the 80s envisioned the future would yes, look like. Yes, and I love it. It the, is the, so fabulously awful. No, I think it's beautiful. The one, the outfit that Mrs. Miller was wearing when she like came aboard the Enterprise, I was just like, that is a Dude, fabulous that outfit. tunic, though, that Wyatt was wearing right before yes. he jumped on the Torellian vessel. Yeah. The, the upside-down triangle thing. Perfect. Loved oh, it. Oh, my goodness. What was that? Yep, yep. Okay, never mind. Sorry. Tangents, no, I agree. tangents abound. No, I agree. So I, I, okay. So I have to say, I think the costuming was really brilliant in this episode. Mm. And I'm not saying that, like, I'm saying I think the costuming was amazing and like worth noting. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing about this episode that I really loved was how much of the ship we got to see. Yeah, there was a lot of sort of reason to go into different sort of nooks and crannies of the ship, namely like the the sort of like private party room mm-hmm. um, for the for the like wedding rehearsal dinner. Um, there's a bunch of other little sort yeah, of yeah. you know one we see the, the guest quarters. Was, yeah, one of the things I thought was interesting was in later seasons the the guest quarters get pretty generic. Yeah, in this episode there was this one part where Picard drops off, walks on his luggage, and exits the door, and behind him. Of the the um, the supposed entrance to the quarters is this really interesting backdrop that is not like ship's hallways. It's like a wooden like oh oh I missed that. It was really like like it was it's just for like a brief moment, but it's where Picard like takes his leave and, it, and it's like it, right there at that entrance in the in the doorway behind him. The backdrop looks totally different. You get this kind of like cruise background. Almost, yeah. Yeah. almost like, oh, hey, yeah, this is where back and watch guests scene. are. You yeah, know? I might go back and watch that scene. So, actually. yeah, it, it is really interesting. There's some real cool, like, just different shots of different parts of the ship, and I, I kind of really enjoyed that element of the episode. Um, yeah. Um, and again, I'm not. I mean, I, I'm not fishing here. Like that. That that made the episode much more interesting. And I. Yeah. No. I and I kind agree. of got the sense that that's maybe what this episode was for. Um, well, I mean, it definitely was a break in telling the story of the Enterprise because right. it was no longer. You were no longer. There wasn't an enemy. There the, wasn't like a. The, yeah, there wasn't like a drastic situation because, I mean, let's face it, the stakes were really low in this. Right. Because right. it's as soon as the Torellian vessel got within transporter range. Picard just, like, towed them back out. Right. Which was yeah. like, okay, like, I we mean, could we do can... this for forever. Right, yeah. So, I mean, that, yeah, so, I mean, there was, I mean, this was kind of one of those episodes where, like, we weren't, I mean, and, and that may have been the problem, but, again, I think kind of the point of the episode was to, like, get a chance to know the ship, maybe see the characters in some sort of, like, sitcom-esque, you know, scenario. Yeah. Um, so you sort of get a better sense of the characters when they're not under, like, battle fatigue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was really good. Yeah. Um, the, the thing that I really want to talk about, and this is kind of the meat and potatoes of my disdain for this, it, it, we touched on it a minute ago, but it's Riker. 
and how much he does pout in this episode. Well, it's not just his his poutiness that we have to deal with. It's how crappy he is to Deanna. Yeah. Because yeah, he really is. It's there's this whole thing where he talks to he he talks up this big game in this episode how oh Deanna, I'm just going to be so sad without you and he's so pouty that she's going to go marry this guy. But it's not it's it's like this is season 1. They don't start dating until which movie is it again? Well, they had dated before. Well, yeah, they had dated before, but but like he has this big pouty scene here where he's like, "Oh, you can't marry them because I wasn't done stringing you along." Oh, I know. And then like again, he doesn't and he doesn't have anything to do with her until she starts flirting with him during I is it Nemesis, I think. No. I don't yeah, know. I think it's Nemesis where they're on the planet, like Star Trek Nemesis, where they're on the planet where, like, everybody like where it has that age reversing effect, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's when that's whenever they start flirting with each other again, and then the very next movie, no, yeah, no, it wasn't right. Nemesis; it was Insurrection. Yeah, Insurrection. They start flirting, and then it's in Nemesis they get married. Yeah, at the beginning. So, so that's. So we have to wait seven seasons and three movies before they start flirting with each other? Well, and I'm not even... It's not even that that makes me angry. It's that it's that Riker becomes so possessive of Deanna. And yeah, sort of, no, that's... And sort of this whole thing about, like, you know, he tries to, like... I don't know. There's this weird exchange between the two of them where he's sort of asserting his like feelings about the situation and how she doesn't need to be there because she's supposed to be marrying this other guy and like the whole thing is just really paternalistic it's very it's very i'm a nice guy yeah i'm gonna do the right thing by you know backing away from you and giving this other guy a chance like um dude i don't know if you've noticed but she seems to have really moved on at this point yeah. Uh, so what are like, you doing? Like she's like, dude, I've got my goals. You've got your goals. Right. Your goals superseded our relationship. And I and we left it on good terms, on such good terms that we are good friends at this point. Like, yeah. what is this? So and now you're just being a petulant child, is right? What you're doing. Yeah, I was really. I like that they dropped that in later seasons. There's another episode yeah. later on with an actually like way worse. Deanna husband candidate. Um, oh, we're talking about the wharf one. E- no, not. I actually kind of like them together. Uh, in a, yeah, in a weird way. I know that ship. I'm glad sank. I really, I don't know. I kind of. I'm uh, not like a shipper for them. I, I definitely feel like Deanna and Riker are the couple for, you know. But I, no, I just. No, I think Riker should have died alone. Did, really? I yeah. I don't know. He's I just. I don't. He's so. In this episode, I agree with you. There's another episode later on where she's dating somebody else. I can't think of the guy's name, but he looks a bit like Eric Trump. Um, oh, I know the one you're talking about. And it's not Eric Trump. He looks like Donald Trump Jr. Okay, whatever. I can't tell him um, apart. Eric Trump um, is the blonde one. <laughs> I literally can't tell him apart. Um, you could put them side by side and they would look the same to me. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, that was unnecessary. Um, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> They, um, they, they, anyway, so it's an episode where, and, and he kind of. I know, it's the one where they're doing the, um, the war, the, the, um. Wormhole. The worm there's like a wormhole, and the Ferengis get tossed into the Delta Quadrant. Yep, 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 yep. And like, you have this, Donald Trump Jr. as the negotiator yes, for. Yes, and he's this kind of like. he's empathic as well. He's kind of sleazeball, and I, Oh, you know, super sleazeball. Yeah, and, and there's this like really weird scene between the two of them where he like makes some point of like I know you and Deanna used to date to Riker and yeah. Riker is like you you need to leave that alone like I I we're friends I have nothing but respect for Deanna and you need to respect her too yeah and, and he's like good, and, and he was like he made some comment like like Donald Trump Jr. character made some comment about how what was it it's like oh I, I I'm gonna win her and marry her and, or do all this kind of weird stuff to her he's like and Riker's like, well, uh, if you make her happy, then we're gonna, then we're good. Yeah, then good job, good for you, congratulations. For you. So, yeah. yeah, it takes them a little while to get. It, it, and, it, so. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the next season. So I mean, it's not like they continue with that track. I. Yeah, I know. Just this epi- this episode specifically bo- bothered me because it was like to give to give Riker the benefit of the doubt, and I'm just I'm just throwing mm-hmm. it out there. Like I'm not saying that this is the reason he's acting this way. I'm just saying it's a possibility, but. To give him the benefit of the doubt, maybe the reason he was acting that way was because he knew Deanna didn't want to leave Enterprise. 
And so he's not uh, frustrated that she's getting married. I wish they would have. I wish they would have made the articulated that. Yeah, that. It, it didn't. It he kind of makes mention of the fact that like this seems like a really, you know, uh, ancient sort of backward custom. Why are you following it? Yeah. And she's like, "Look, it's my responsibility as a Betazoid. I have to." And he's thinking. So I, so there was this sort of, there was at least that sort of sense or that mm. like undertone of it's not that you're getting married it's that you're doing something that you don't want to do out of a duty fulfillment or obligation not because it's what you want yeah i will say actually i did want to point this out because um it was a it was a scene that like was in a line that was almost throwaway but it was a great scene and it was where picard said is it your intention to remain on the enterprise after you've been married and she responds with no I think that is a fantastic line because what it indicates to me is that Starfleet is entirely voluntary 100% of the time. Hmm. So think about that. Yeah, they, they do really make a make a point of that, especially like in Measure of a Man when right. Data's like, well, I guess I'm just going to resign my commission and go ahead and get out of here. Right. There is no obligation for yeah, any crew member. there's no like, contract length. Yeah, there's no obligation for any crew member yeah, to stay aboard. The, I think that's the perk of a, a socialistic society that they kind of that Gene Roddenberry kind of lays mm-hmm. out. It's like, look, we have we have people jumping hand over foot to be on board these ships. Like Starfleet has so many members, so many service members that okay, if you leave, I mean, we'll miss you, but we'll right. pick up our we'll pick up our next counselor at the next space station you know right well the, i think i think that there's i mean first of all i'm guessing that the enterprise doesn't have any trouble manning their ship oh no um, they're the flagship of right. course they don't but again what what it means what i what it suggests to me is that everybody that takes on that risk is taking on that risk specifically because they want to and they're, yes. and they're and they've made the decision that this is what I want for yeah. me and my family. I'm pretty sure there's no draft to get into. Starfleet. Well, and I'm not just I'm not just talking about like there's no forced entry to Starfleet, but maybe more like if you get into Starfleet and decide mm-hmm. it's not for you, there's no obligation for you to stay. Yeah. And I think that that is a really it was a nice yeah. line and it was one that was you know I meaningful to me um, and sort of I I really appreciated it and I yeah. really appreciated the sort of canonization of the completely voluntary force that is Starfleet. I mean, it's yeah. like working. I mean, they make that point with with these people who are officers, but they mm-hmm. never really go into it with the enlisted men like O'Brien. Presumably, they get I, the same treatment. I would be really surprised if one group of people got treated as better than another group of people in a socialistic society like that. Really. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah. All right. So I had... Oh, the other thing that I liked about this episode... Mm -hmm. And again, I'm going to... You know, I'm I'm not... I don't feel like I'm reaching too far with this one. I actually kind of weirdly enjoyed this episode. Um, The main premise I didn't enjoy, but the rest of it I liked. Mm -hmm. Wyatt wasn't an idiot. And I really appreciated that. Yeah. And he wasn't... I like that he wasn't an idiot, and I also liked that he wasn't, like, super, like, jealous of Riker. Yep. Like, we, yes. he knew, like, whenever he walked in and met Riker in the holodeck, he knew who Riker was. Like, he knew every, like, after Riker walked out, he knew pretty much the situation that had just transpired, and he was like... You know what? I'm cool with it. I'm su- we're super evolved at this point. Like, yeah, you know, it's not a competition. Like, we're just trying to all be happy and yeah, like make we're just a squirrel trying to find a nut, man. Yeah, right. No, I mean, I I was I really liked why I also really liked that when he realized that the woman on the ship was the woman in his dreams, he didn't wrestle like literally the woman of his literally dreams. the woman of his dreams. He didn't wrestle with. Should I stay with Yana or should I go with this woman? Like he knew that he needed to go with this woman, and he knew that it would be wrong for him to stay with Yana. Yeah, there was not like a moment where he's like, "Well, you know, I guess I'll just, you know, mm-hmm. swallow my whatever and live with Deanna. And st- no, he was like, "Yeah, I really need to sit and think about this. This is not." That's yeah. That, that was the point we were talking about earlier, where he went and talked to. Yeah, right. He to, went to, uh, to Waxana. I did write for that like in that point like wait what is the explanation for this um uh roddenberry seemed to be on this whole like thought equals matter equals energy 
kick. It was very during, new age. During yeah, like which the eighties were the eighties were all about new age. Yes, right. These were children of the sixties. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely got that. What's that? What's that television show from the? It's not the Golden Years. It's called. The Golden Girls? No. <laughs> the it, Wonder it, Years. Is it the Wonder Years? Are you talking about the one with Fred Savage? No, it's no. It's the television show where it's like the hippie couple grow grow up grew up to be yuppies and it's like a mom and a dad from the eighties. I can't remember the I name don't of it. Know. I can't remember the name of it. I could like see their faces and everything. But anyway, point being, um, I have no idea. Sorry. There is this sort of like weird new age bent to like the whole episode that I like thought was pretty flimsy yeah no like this that's kind of been our that's kind of our whole like critique of this episode is that it doesn't stand up to any kind of scrutiny right yeah like every part of it just really falls apart and like as i'm looking over my notes like i'm looking and like hardly any i have hardly any notes in my pro call con columns it's all just snarky comments because the 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 storyline the plot everything really just does not hold up yeah right i mean i did also write of the Tyrellian because that moment when so wyatt ends up going over to the Tyrellian ship and there's this moment where it's like this boomaye one of us boomaye one of us oh my like God, yeah so that was kind of weird We've been waiting for you Wyatt. yeah that was really creepy i wasn't a real fan of that as like a reason i liked that his reason for going over there i think they could have done it without the whole like woman of my dreams thing he, yeah. he was a doctor and he wanted to help people and yeah. like finding the Torellians and saying i want to go help these people instead of you know do you want to come with me deanna and her saying no i really don't like that would have been i think a very good reason for them to have split up yeah. without this weird sort that would of have like been an inter- and that would have been an interesting story to tell absolutely because but it's like then having that tug between okay yeah you know do instead i instead of that whole torn between two lovers yeah kind of feel it's actually it. torn between like obligation to family for some reason and an obligation to my chosen profession which is being mm-hmm. a doctor i have an opportunity to really help these people exactly that's what i should do so that was um i think a lost opportunity. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Speaking of doctor, there was this one kind of throwaway line at the fun dinner. Oh, okay. That, that okay. Dates McFadden throws out there that I, I I found troubling, like in terms of canon. Like, so the line is is they're sitting there talking about it, and Wyatt asks, "Oh, is there really a Torellian ship out there?" I studied blah, blah, blah. I studied them in my class and then was really interested in medical school. And Gates McFadden, Beverly Crusher, throws out a line. She's like, oh, yeah, I, I would be more than happy to discuss it with you. It's nice to have another doctor on board. <gasps> oh, yeah. And I was like, wait a second. For over a thousand folk, over a thousand folk on that ship. Well, that it's not you the only doctor. I don't know about I don't know about that so much. But she, she says she doesn't say doctor. That would be one thing. She actually says medical professional or medical mind or something to that effect. Okay. And it's like, which to me is even worse because, um, wait a minute, like what about all your so, nurses? So what, what about tells, all your... Yeah, what that tells me is that either she doesn't collaborate well with anybody else on the Right, show, right. Or... To be fair, she does go through nurses like super fast in the first like six seasons. No, no, she hangs on to that one nurse for yes, a long time. Yes, she has her starting in, like, season, I want to say season five. No, she's Yeah, there it's early. pretty late. No, she's it's pretty early. late. It's pretty late because she ends up with, that. the one nurse ends up. You're pregnant. talking about the one from the lower decks, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, she's, on, season, she's on there cause, pretty cause early. She gets pregnant in season seven during emergence, and we never see her have the baby. Huh. So I think she's, I think she's like... I guess I don't remember this. Yeah, there's a whole thing because she... But anywho, um, but yeah, so my, my, my contention is, is she either doesn't work well with anybody else on, on board the ship or she is the only doctor and we have drastically as a society re-engineered how the medical profession works. So nurses can do much, much more than they can do now. Right, well, that could be true. And like she is only in charge of like running super crazy diagnostics. Yeah, maybe. I'm not really sure. That's all I really had to say about it. Yeah. But well, there is one other thing that stood out in my mind, and it was, again, another throwaway. Mm-hmm. 
They're on the holodeck right before Wyatt walks in. Right. And Deanna calls him Bill. Bill. Oh, I noticed that too. <laughs> what? And that's like the only she, time she, I, I want to say she does it a couple more times. Yeah. But it's so like few and far between. And I'm like, nobody's calling him Bill. Why? Like maybe it was a sex thing. Why do you? But still, though, <laughs> that's what Mzadi is. Like she calls him Mzadi, but like, which is so weird and creepy anyway. But like, well, no, <laughs> she makes a very, very good point of saying. First of all, Imzadi means my first beloved, as in the first person I loved in this capacity. And then she makes a point of saying, oh, right, you humans have a really hard time separating platonic love from um, romantic love or physical love. And yeah. so, that, I mean, that, and she's right about that. I mean, this yeah, is no, like, no, it's totally like, I'm not saying, and I don't know that it's going to be uh, not a problem in the 24th century. Oh, no, hopefully, I think we're going to hold on to that one for a while. Hopefully we will get rid of it eventually, but I can see her point. Like, maybe this is a problem and, and I could see why it'd be frustrating. I will notice, I will mention uh, one more throwaway line and it actually, I think, vindicates Deanna a little bit, um, but it's her line about... Um, how it's actually, I'm sorry, it's Lwaxana's line, and she mentions how her former valet tried very hard to get rid of Deanna's accent and was unsuccessful. So there is a kind of, she says that the accent reminds oh, her yeah, of the father. That's right. And it turns out later that Ian didn't have that accent either, so like, okay, where does she get it from? Yeah. But she did grow up in Starfleet, so maybe just being around a bunch of kids and... I don't know. I mean, I, I, but it vindicates her a little bit. And I will say, you know, this is outside of the sort of, but the producer specifically requested that Deanna have a, quote, Beta Z accent. Yeah. Because they did not initially intend to have Lwaxana Troy, and they certainly didn't have intend to have Majel Barrett play Lwaxana Troy. Yeah. No, I, I, see what you're, I see what you're saying there. I just feel it was a big misstep on the show's part. Oh, I agree I with they you. They, and they and she sort of gradually that. loses it, but I but again I yeah, but yeah. but it does vindicate her. So it's not just this sort of like random you know, it doesn't sound like a speech impediment. Like it it's an accent and it's noted like it's noted that it's an accent. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it is a speech impediment and we just like just like, like nicely timing it. Yeah, you like know. no everybody's too nice to mention it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Well, I don't really have anything else to say about this episode. Not me either. Like you said before, I mean, there's just not a whole lot of depth to it. Um, you get a lot of fun moments in this episode, which is why I kind yeah. of enjoyed it. But I, I think I, that this episode I mean, is seriously could, lacking in depth. Exactly. I wish we could do like a riff tracks on this episode. I know. Where like you and I just sit here and make snide comments. I know. Like if for this whole episode. Now, like, now we could I'm potentially really, try to live tweet an episode yeah. at some point. Um, that might be something fun to do in the future. Just, just uh, something to think about for the future is yeah. is live tweeting as we watch an episode or two. Yeah, I know. Because the very first thing that I wrote down in this episode, which really got me, was like they were talking about Haven. Like, like Captain Picard mentioned something about Haven. How it's like, oh, it's said to cure a man's soul. Yeah, and it is like legends that are totally unsupported by fact. And I'm just like, my first comment is like, Dana, who hurt you? <laughs> like, why would you say that? Like, like, come on, man. Yeah, right. Yeah, anyway. Okay, so are we ready for some trends? I think we are. Okay, um, I don't have any, so you'll okay. have to. Well, it's been it's been kind of bare because like discovery's not going discovery's on. Discovery's not going yeah. on, and all it is is like just speculative news. Mm-hmm. There's no movies. Like there's movies in the pipeline, but there's right. nothing like due soon. So there's not not a lot to talk about. Um, however, there was a really interesting gossip article um, on TrekMovie.com that I uh, I know not a very reput- yeah. I, mean, I don't know how reputable they are. But um, it's a really interesting um, little tidbit. But basically, it was about Patrick Stewart and how we might want to start watching pro- uh, Star Trek Discovery pretty soon. Um, because, and I know you and I haven't really watched it. We watched the first episodes whenever it was on uh, CBS Live. But after that, we just kind of like, eh, I don't want to pay the money for it. Mm. But 
maybe we should take another look at it. Um, the thought, the reason is, is because um, a reporter asked uh, Patrick Stewart the question if he had seen Star Trek Discovery yet. Okay. And I'm going to quote his response here from a video that was online. Um, he says, you mean the series and not the movie? Because there is a new movie due out very soon. No, I haven't, but I may have good cause to look at it very soon. So I'm guessing he's probably going to get invited to like direct an episode. Maybe direct, but he's not really known for directing episodes. So maybe like be in an episode. Well, like they're they're talking about, you know, because again, I haven't seen any, so I can't speak to it. But a lot of people like talking about being part of Discovery that have been part of the other series in one way or another. So maybe he will be a character. Maybe he'll be like, maybe they stop like on Earth. Like a cameo or yeah, something? Yeah, maybe they stop on Earth and Picard's great-great-great-grandfather's sitting there tending the grapes and it's pet played by Patrick Stewart. Who uh, knows? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the kind of fan service, that kind of fan service either. You know, I totally... It's one thing when they have like Loaxana Troy or Major Barrett playing Loaxana Troy because it's like a... Yeah, but you got to realize that Next Gen got kicked off with... Um, Bones touring the Enterprise. Oh, right. How does so, that even make sense? Well, he's old. Like a hundred... Yeah, no, he's pretty dang old. years old. Yeah. But you gotta think, like, advancements in modern medicine is was the whole deal. Yeah, supposedly the person that's gonna live to be 200 has already been born. Yeah. Um, anyway. It's funny. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, okay, cool, I guess. Yeah, I guess that'd be kind of fun to have. I mean, I yeah. Yeah. I actually, okay, so I don't have any Trek news per se, but I was reading a forum recently um, that was talking about the uh, Klingon redesign. The what? The Klingon redesign, which is like oh, my yeah. biggest beef with Discovery. Like, I'm not even, whatever. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that they were talking about was like their hairlessness and how. Yeah. Okay. They so, were like smooth, bald, bare butt babies. Yeah. So, which is like pretty anti Klingon because the Klingons yeah. have always had like luxurious locks. That's yeah, kind of part had, of the thing. They've had that mane going on and yep. then they've had the, the goatee. Like that's been a thing since TOS, the goatee. Right. Right. Well, and then, yeah. And I mean, they, I mean, they really do have I mean, long, luxurious hair. I yeah. mean, as I, as I recall, I think almost in every. Yeah, it's kind of a big deal in, in right. next gen. It's a huge deal in next starting gen. In the, starting in the TOS movies. Right, right. Um, and even Worf kind of gets on board with that, you know. Oh, yeah. No, there's some scenes with Worf's, like, just beautiful locks. Locks you know, of just hair. Just yeah. down. So um, the, the hairlessness really bugged me, um, although less so than the redesign. Um, yeah, I know. I'm just like, come on, stop redesigning the Klingons. Seriously. This is where we're on our, like, fourth design of the Klingons. This is like, and it's like a, it's not like a kind of redesign. It's like a real redesign. Oh, dude, it's like a full-on overhaul. Yeah. It's like trying to call the Shelby Mustang, like, the Shelby Mustang. Yeah. So, supposedly, the hairlessness comes from the Klingons having a, like, sensory mechanism in their heads that hair blocks or, like, prevents... Huh? Yeah. So they mentioned this in Discovery? Apparently the director mentioned something about it. And I, I so, okay, I'm, I'm, I literally read this on a forum, so like take it with okay. a grain of salt. But it was one of the things that I was sort of like, obviously spending time looking up like why they did this because who doesn't. that's what we do in our free time. Who doesn't spend time <laughs> reading about Star Trek in their free time? Um, yeah, no. And uh, anyway, so, yeah, so this was one of the sort of like explanations um, for the yeah. redesign. And I was like, I don't buy it. I don't, I, but apparently that's something that the director mentioned in an interview. Um, I, I guess I could try and look up the quote uh, if I felt that strongly about it. I yeah. don't. Um, but anyway, but it was, it seemed like a pretty big cop out to me. Yeah, no, I kind of agree with you. I think it was just somebody got like really antsy to redesign the Klingons and like, I, I don't think that they had to redesign them to be unrecognizable. Like they could have redesigned their costumes. They could have even even having them bald, you know, would be okay. Like an interesting, 
Yeah, you know, different. Like, okay, it was a style of the time. Right. You know, I mean, because then you can see the ridges that go all the way back and down their spine. Because we know we've seen Worf's, like, the back of his neck, and you can see that he has the ridges. Well, yeah, and you see, like, his, his feet in the episode where he go, gets paralyzed, right. and he's got, like, the ridges down his feet. There's, you know, his spinal cord is, like, pretty pokey-outy, and so you can see that his spinal cord, yeah. like, his the spinal column has got these ridges. So even just a bald Klingon, you could definitely get a better sense of their yeah. sort of... They're sort of cranial ridges and then the ridges that go all the way down their spine. Um, and you know, and maybe make them more pronounced, but not to the extent Yeah, they did a And then the vocal characterization is really strange to me too. I don't know. I thought that it was okay. Like it bugged me because I only saw the first two episodes. It bugged me because the Klingon like the way the vocal style stylings of the Klingon always had a sort of Norse ring to me. They sort of remind me Mm. of like old Nordic languages. Um, just really? a sort of like guttural. I mean, I, I just yeah, almost, it was very, very, very like German. There's a kind of a Viking esque cadence mm-hmm. to their speech, um, which I always thought was really, uh, you know. Yeah, it, was, uh, it is very aggressive. Well, it was always very. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Apropos to the Klingon culture because they're so mm-hmm. about fighting and you know yeah, laughing yeah, 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 and yeah. making love and you know and then you go to Stovacor which is just fighting and laughing and making love which is very like similar to Valhalla and so there's these like interesting parallels between mm-hmm. Klingon culture and Nordic like Viking culture and so I always thought that was really great that they had this sort of Nordic style of speaking or Nordic speech cadence and then you switch to the Discovery Klingons and I don't know what that speech cadence is <laughs> I guess I don't. Slow. It's been a long time since we watched the first two episodes, but I guess I don't know what you're talking about because I, I felt that the 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 cadence of how they spoke didn't seem any different to me. Oh gosh, it bugged the crap out of me. We'll have did to rewatch it. it. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to rewatch it because we will. Yeah, I mean, I, it really. It well, did. I think we're gonna have to sit down and watch the whole season. I know. Season, I know. You know, I feel like that's what. In fact, we need to do. I, I think at some point we're gonna have to start putting it in the rotation. I mean, I it is so. canon at this point. You know. I think so. I think now that we've got a full season out, I think we should sit down and watch the season and pick out which are episodes we hate the most. One and two. <laughs> so far. No, I'm sure. I'm sure if we give it another shot, it might be. We might. I'm find, sure I'll really different. just like three, four, five, six, seven, and eight that. as well. I don't know about that. Let's just give it a chance. I know. We'll I see. know. I know. Um, any technology recommendations? I found a couple of cool technologies on futurism.com. Both of them from futurism.com. Um, basic one is talking about carbon capture uh, technology. Um, there's a recent study in uh, the magazine, or the uh, periodical, not a magazine, sorry, uh, Jewel, that's J-O-U-E-L. Oh, as in like a jewel of energy? Yes. Okay. Um, basically, it's a science periodical. Right, I get it. Um, they were talking about how uh, scientists are estimating the cost of carbon capture is way down. And the technology mm. is already out there, so we could start using this feasibly, and help you know to help us meet the um, the Paris Agreement, the goals. Paris Accords, yeah. basically. Um, but previously, they were estimating um, the cost at about a thousand dollars per ton, which Whoa. which is like ridiculously high. Yeah. But now, in this most recent uh, study that was published uh, as recently as, uh, well, Thursday, according to this article, which was June 8th, so um, that was only last week, our time right now, but uh, bargain price between $94 and $232 per ton. Wow. I mean, I really, I haven't had a chance to read this, yeah, I haven't had a chance to read this this, uh, study yet, but... Man, if that's the case, like, well, I mean, what, we need to be doing this. Well, but what it indicates to me, and this is why I really like this, is that what it indicates to me is that it, the the trend is so exponentially different. I mean, it's so different from the initial price, right? So, I mean, this like you can think of it mm-hmm. the same way you think of, say, cell phone technology or computing technology. You know, twenty five years ago, so within well within my lifetime buying a computer for a home use was Mm -hmm. prohibitively expensive and now they're ubiquitous oh yeah right and and that that turnaround that turnaround time technologically was what maybe four or five years maybe ten 
um, where it went from being, you know, a new computer in, say, 1992 was $1,500 in 1992 dollars, right, versus a new computer now, which, you know, you can buy one for $1,500, sure, or you can buy a Chromebook for 300 bucks and get, yeah. you know, similar, sort of similar capabilities. Yeah, but let's be, let's be honest, nobody's buying a Chromebook for 300 well, bucks. So. But I mean, but my, <laughs> my, my point stands is that the, is that the yeah. cost goes down and then all of a sudden this yeah. becomes a viable technology where before it was not a viable technology. Yeah, no, for so, sure. And, it, and it's interesting to me how quickly that cost turnaround went from a thousand to, you know, a hundred bucks. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. So we can all have carbon capture. Yeah, I think I think honestly, carbon capture farms are going to be popping up pretty soon. Hopefully. Oh, I agree. I think it's going to be one of those things. I think it's going to be one of those things where, like, you know, say France or somebody pays a person, you know, pays a farmer. You know, you're growing soybeans. Also, throw some carbon capture. Machines yeah, throw a your- carbon capture. Uh, block over here right and, and you know yeah. we'll set up a, we'll set up a wall of carbon capture blocks and right yeah but one of the things that i was actually reading this a few weeks ago and it was um what they're doing what one what one company was doing and i wish i could find the i, I tried looking for the article after i found this one on futurism but uh, gosh i again i should have bookmarked it but i didn't but it was they were setting up these carbon capture farms connected to greenhouses oh i've heard this yeah yeah and i'm like it's is really that cool. Yeah. is what it's about man like yep. you pull in that carbon capture right and that carbon goes to your plants and like man you're, mm-hmm. you're good to go yep no they're, like, that they're, would be awesome they're talking about how they're going to use the technology to feed the planet in in the future um, oh man that'd be so awesome isn't that neat? Yeah. because yeah you pull in this carbon and you can just resequence it and like i mean once we get our you know obviously our replicators up and running man it's going to be like that's how we're going to fuel them is just pull suck in all the carbon from the atmosphere and we're good to go well but right now they're using it to to obviously to feed plants and yeah. make them grow faster and like if you consider that we're moving to um plant-based um mm-hmm. proteins um, yeah. almost entirely i mean this is going to be the wave of the future for sure oh, man. i think so for sure um yeah, so I did say I had another one. You did. I did. And this one is really interesting. Okay. Um, and again, Trek adjacent. Sure. I feel that this is how... Um, remember the the episodes in Trek where they're talking about colonizing planets or mm-hmm. terraforming planets mm-hmm. and, and like all this? I think this is how you quickly set... you. This is the technology I think that they're going to start using to quickly set up colonies. Um, but it's 3D printing of houses. Oh, I'm familiar with this. Um, this is a Dutch in a Dutch city. Yeah. They're creating the first habitable 3D printed houses. Um, basically, what it is is it's just a big um, I, I've seen it concrete yeah. nozzle, and what they're using and what they're doing is they're just printing out these houses. And so far, the ones that they've printed out, they've printed out five homes in this neighborhood uh, in Edenhoven. Um, that are actually able to pass inspection. Interesting. Which, I mean, other ones that they've t- tested, you know, the ones with the wood, they're, they're not able to pass inspection because they're not really sturdy. Well, there, there was one in Austin. In fact, was they, there? Still, I mean, it still is. It, but it was family. 3D printed? Yep, it was 3D printed. The entire um, house was built or printed in 24 hours. Yeah, well, like were the parts printed and then assembled? Because this is talking no, about this was this is talking literally about like printed. they brought the machine out yep. and printed the deal. Yep, this was it was okay. a house that was literally printed in Austin. Okay, because I've seen the ones where they've where they've printed like the walls and then you have a crew putting the wall. No, up. this was literally so. What it was was the the house or where the house was going to be sort of surrounded the the printer and it was this sort of like. There were, you know, three or four workers. Mm-hmm. They had this printer machine thingy, and it was basically this big hose, and they guided the hose or made sure that the hose was going in the right direction according to these plans that were input into. Okay. And it w- and it just sort of layer almost like a layer cake, okay. just like layered the concrete into these you know, into the shape of the house, including rooms and everything. Okay. The roof, I think, was pre-built somewhere else because they did put the roof on. Okay. Well, this... So it wasn't entirely 3D printed, but the... But this the is entirely was. 3D printed, except for, like, fascias. So, okay. like, what this one does, and you can kind of look at the picture here, but it's, like, the whole thing is, like, a concrete... Ooh, very futuristic. Very futuristic. They almost look like pills. Yeah. You know what I mean? Very much so, yeah. Like, it's really cool. I mean... 
Like, if you ever looked at, like, the show Extreme Homes, yeah. this kind of looks like one of those types of deals. Yeah, very cool. Because it's, and, like, obviously you can program in, like, all the specs you want and all Very that. Scandinavian. It, it is really, really cool. Looking. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. What? I just thought of something. What's that? In the future, IKEA is going to be selling these homes, and we're going to have to put them together. <laughs> put them together ourselves. Yeah. Jesus. Oh my gosh. Oh if, no. If, if our couch is any indicator of how that process is going oh, to go, Jesus. we are going to be in serious yeah. trouble. Yeah. Serious trouble. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. I know. Oh. But yeah. yeah, that's what I've got in terms of uh, Trek news. So I have a sort of soft Trek recommendation. Trek recommendation. Recommendation. Um, it is their actual recommendation. I really am. I am recommending it. Um, okay. But it is uh, kind of new. I just put it on my phone. Um, it's called Trek Gems, and it's a, an app uh, that plays a bit like Bejeweled. But you play through. It is. It really is. But it's cool because you. So like you start off and you're a trainee. And you go in and you meet with um, Riker and Data and Jordy, and they sort of present this scenario where it's like, oh, we're trying to, you know, train our new folk on combat, blah, blah, blah. And so you have, it's like bejeweled, but there's like a combat element. So, yeah. Um, I, I'm going to give it a very soft recommendation only because I just started playing it. Uh, it's kind of a funky, fun premise. Uh, I hope I don't get too terribly addicted. So I, I will say I lightly recommend Trek Gems only because it's a fun Trek-themed version of Bejeweled. Okay. I feel like it's, like, brand-slapping, but... It is definitely brand-slapping. Um, yeah, oh, I, I guess we can recommend... Oh, I, okay. I, okay, so I will hard recommend in that case... Um, Now I lost the name of the show. It was on the, the toys that made us. Thank you, the toys that made us. How could I forget with an amazing? I think we recommended that last time. Did we recommend it? No, we I didn't. Don't know. No, we didn't because we hadn't watched it last time. I thought we had. No, we had not. We had not. Okay, well, you had watched part of the Star Trek episode. Yeah. And you hadn't watched the whole thing, and but then anyway, we ended yeah, up watching. So they did have the. They did. They have a Star Trek episode on the toys that made us, which is a Netflix original series. It's so. a phenomenal series. Um, Basically, every episode they go through like um, a, a particular toy set. They did a Lego episode. They did a Star Wars episode. They've done a Star Trek episode now. Pretty cool. Pretty. Cool. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot more fun and interesting than I anticipated it was yeah. going to be. Um, they make it real fun and funky and very like oh, sort yeah. of eighties tastic. I did. Lo- I did enjoy watching the Star Trek episode because I was like, I had it. I had it. I wanted it. I wanted it so bad, but I never got it. I had it, I had it, I had it. There were some really great um, sort of Star Trek toys that... Oh, yeah, from were, the original you, series. You talk about brand slapping where oh, they just sort yeah. of like... And like the one, I guess, that everybody remembers, I didn't know about it. It wasn't... The I Spock wasn't born, helmet. But the Spock for those helmet. Of you who are older. Yeah, who are older yeah. uh, Trek fans and can remember that kind of thing. Um, you know, I, I mean, that kind of stuff, like, it... I guess it's part of... For me, as a f- former not anti-Trekkie, but not big Trekkie. That's the kind of stuff that I think of when I think of Star Trek, is this sort of, like, weird, like, funky, you know, um, paraphernalia that goes along with being a Trekkie. Yeah. Uh, And I I kind of love it for that reason. Like, I kind of love that it's not... It's not related to anything. It just is something that says Spock, you know? Yeah. Um, The big helmet that said Spock or Kirk. Yeah. So anyway, so I mean, it's it's a great show, and I, I I guess I will I will highly recommend that and softly recommend Trek, uh, Gems. Trek Gems. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really have any recommendations. I mean, if I tried really hard, the only thing I can really think of is the sangria I'm drinking right now. <laughs> so uh, you know, beso de sol. Uh, not too shabby, I gotta say. It is in a box, <laughs> which is actually good for the yeah, environment. Yeah. No, so. good for the environment. Uh, and my pocketbook. Yeah. Right. Totally. <laughs> All right, well, with that, I'm going to sign off saying Trek and A. Trek and A. It is so fine, these